Healthy Places podcast with me, Matt Morley. In this series, we take a deep dive into the role of sustainability, wellness, and community in our built environment. From commercial real estate projects to residential developments, hospitality, hotels, resorts, and educational facilities. In each episode, we highlight a global benchmark or industry leader contributing to places and spaces that respect both people and planet. Today, we head to South Africa to chat with Georgina Pennington, Group Creative Direction at Singita Safari Lodges, one of the world's leading proponents of low environmental impact, high style hospitality. The brand currently has 15 lodges, villas and tented camps split between South Africa, Zimbabwe, Tanzania and Rwanda. Not only does Singita put nature and wildlife conservation at the core of their business model, they also have a unique nature-inspired architectural and interior aesthetic that really puts them in a league of their own. I previously had a chance to visit some of the lodges while working with Georgina and her team on a new gym concept, an experience that left a truly lasting impression on me. So my hope is to share some of that magic with you here today. Delivering a luxury ecotourism experience in the middle of the bush while promoting biodiversity, protecting natural resources and implementing consistently meaningful community outreach programs is no small feat. There's just no room for inconsistencies or shortcuts in a business that aligns itself so closely with nature, as well as conservation and supporting the local population. So while the guests may be VIP at Singita, the brand is very clear about who comes first. So the lessons here, I believe, are many. In this conversation, we touch on everything from the mental health benefits of bush bathing, a close cousin of forest bathing, to patiently building a trademark interior style over time and the role of connectedness to the land and animals within the Singita guest experience. While talking to Georgie, I was reminded of the Zulu term of Ubuntu, roughly meaning togetherness or literally, I am because we are. Go back far enough in evolutionary history and we are all brothers and sisters. Go back farther still and we're just animals in nature, like any other. When seen through the lens of Ubuntu, divisions melt into air. Divisions between us as a race, but also between us and nature. It's a pertinent message for these turbulent times in which our relationship with people and planet are being tested like never before. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Georgina Pennington of Singita Safari Lodges as we return to the source, to where it all began. Perhaps we could start just with a quick intro to what you do at Singita, if you can just talk a little bit about your role. Um, my role at Singita is creative direction manager for the group. Um, that also involves a lot of guest experience design. So it evolves sort of just from a design role into um, a guest experience and creative direction role, really just looking after um, the tangible and intangible elements of the group and combining um, a whole lot of different things to create what, what we 
have as our guest experience in in the locations that we are so I'll say it's quite a diverse role. It's a very interesting role. And um, I also engage with a lot of different design teams in order to, to layer what we sort of, to layer everything together to create the Sangeeta look, as well as the Sangeeta guest experience. So in terms of you know, how your, your role then, because as a brand, it has such a strong connection with conservation and from conservation, we could read nature, we could read planet. And clearly there's an interest in, in people in, inherently linked to that in terms of how we may or may not impact the environment around us. So you know, with, with the lodges, it's such a core part. It's really at the essence of, of what the business is about. How, how do you then go about reflecting that less in terms of conserving the animals and the wildlife around you, but more in terms of, as you describe it, the guest experience and the spaces that you're creating? Well, you know, we're very privileged to have our lodges um, in incredible, unique, um, wide, vast uh, spaces in Africa, which which I think in itself kind of speaks so much to, to nurturing the planet, nourishing the planet, looking after the planet. And, you know, our vision is to preserve and protect large tracts of land for future generations. And we really do take that very seriously. So, you know, we partner with um, various conservation funds and trusts in order to achieve that and then within our lodges you know we we try and create for our guests an experience that is um contextual to where they are to the country um as well as to the the land and the, the natural order of where that lodge is and then within that space to really let outside be the hero you know they've they've come to to africa they've come to one of our lodges be it in Rwanda, Tanzania, Zimbabwe or South Africa um, and they've come to the bush you know we obviously call it the bush they've come to that to, to gain that experience so we try and always keep outside the hero um, you know the nature the hero and and we're as much as possible to bring that indoors as well um, you know to keep our lodges green inside and outside is very important and and that is in our sort of narrative, it's in our vernacular, and it's in, in who we are as a company. So I think that when guests do walk through our doors, they really do get a feeling of respect for the land, um, respect for the prosperity of the land and, and the future of the land. Um, and, and, and I hope that they experience that in, throughout their guest experience. And how, do you, how far do you have to go in terms of uh, thinking, for example, of color palettes and materials and, and integrating artworks and things? I mean, you've mentioned the idea of of there being you know, a contextual sense to each lodge so it's connected to the location around it whilst also being uh, conscious of, of the environmental impact so your balance you're juggling a lot of balls it seems to me is, is it is it a balancing act or is it do you think you found a, you found your strategy and approach and, and then it's a case of implementing it in each lodge I think, um, you know, Matt, it can depend very much on, on the lodge and on the country that we are in. But, you know, we, we place an Im immense amount of importance on sort of sustainability um, and a huge respect to the land and the culture. So, you know, I think if I, if I can just explain the way we sort of address our sort of design processes is we, you know, when we are building a new lodge, um, we will do a huge amount of research on on the, the area, on the context, on the culture, on the fauna, on the flora, and really delve as deeply as we can into that. Um, and then we create what we call a design brief. But at the very same time as the design brief is being generated, we generate a, a building and sustainability brief. So our design teams, when they, when they get a brief, they get a, the sort of high level creative direction brief, but at the very same time, they get a sustainability brief as to, you know, 
where we can and cannot um, or what we can and cannot use um, in the particular country. So, so it's very important for us. I mean, and, and I think that that has really been very beneficial to the design teams, you know, because they're given a creative brief, they're given a sustainability and, and a sort of a, a conserving brief. Um, and then to try and work with the two has actually become very exciting. So, so that's really what we think. And, we, and we've done that a couple of times and it really has seemed to work. Um, you know, all the design teams we work with are really, really conscious um, about using sustainable materials and products and, and sort of the building process being as sustainable as possible and being as conscious and as respectful of the land as possible. So we really feel that that is, is working very well um, to date. And does that, do you think that in a sense automatically gives you, because you, you, the brand at the lodges all have this wonderful aesthetic and it's quite characteristic of a Singita Lodge. Um, do you think that's something that's evolved over the years that you've been in business, I guess in one sense, but then is it also almost a reflection of what existed there already? Like how much are you taking from the surrounding aesthetic if there is one or sort of if you like tribal identities or patterns within each location and how much is coming from from the brand level if you, if you see what I mean. Yes, I think a lot of it is coming from from the local level. So you know we work with um well, let me perhaps start here. From a brand level, we, you know, we have, uh, as I said just now, we have quite a, uh, um, we have a framework within which we work when we um, go for a new project or refurbishment. And we also have the same sort of design teams that we work with, who we've been working with for a very long time. We truly understand our aesthetic. And it's been a very symbiotic relationship over the years. So, so I think from a brand point of view, we've got a great understanding um, with the teams that we work with of what we both want to achieve. And then, you know, from a local point of view, yes, we, we really we do take the context from the local nature, the local fauna, flora, the topography of the land, um, as well as the local cultures. So, you know, our, our, I can give an example as our wine lodge in Zimbabwe called Pamashana, um, which we actually redesigned a couple of years ago. Beforehand, it was um, sort of very based on sort of tribal colors and tribal patterns. Um, and, and when we looked to do a redesign and we didn't want to lose any of that so we kept the pattern and, and we kept those that identity we just changed the color palette so that it was more of a natural color palette more of a, a bushy color palette um, and so we sort of tried to blend the two together and you know when we also do a project say if it's a refurbishment project we're very respectful of the furniture that we existing have existing and the architecture so you know we won't flatten a lodge and redesign a lodge just for the sake of it we will really interrogate you know, what we can reuse um, from an architectural point of view, a furniture point of view, um, you know, maybe it's doing a paint take on something or reframing something, but we're very conscious of, of, not, of, of waste and of, of waste for waste's sake. So it's a very um, detailed step in our design process and we go through it with a fine tooth comb. All of the design teams we work with, we sit and we go through it with a very fine tooth comb as to how can we be as conscious as possible um, with this project. Um, in order to deliver the, the Sangeeta brand promised and guest experience that is expected at the end of the day. So it's a, it's a really collaborative process, but everybody at the end of the day really wants the best for it and, and really wants to, to be respectful. So it's become quite a beautiful process, actually. We, we thoroughly enjoy it and it's super creative, you know. You can't just flatten one thing and put something new on it. You know, you've got to get a little bit, you know, amenable to things, which, um, which becomes quite fun, actually. Are there any points where you feel or you've come across 
where there's been, if you like, a, a sticky a sticky moment where you, you, you know you're trying to deliver one of one of the highest the highest end guest experiences out there. I mean, it's truly sort of you know, right out there at the very pinnacle of the industry, and yet you you've got these requirements around or belief system and a value system driving everything around respect for nature. Are there any points where it can become problematic to, to keep at that high-end guest experience whilst respecting nature? Or have you found solutions for pretty much everything? You know, there, there have been instances, and I think it's, it's got a lot to do with, um, with the materials that we would like to try and use. You know, um, we really try and get as many materials locally as possible without having to import. But sometimes, you know, locally, you just can't get what we may need. So, you know, we do a huge local trawl as to what we can find. And, and you know, if there is, if there is something that isn't, you know, we can't find, then we have to, we have to look to importing. And I think that has been the biggest sort of um, wall that we come up against. Um, yeah, I'd say that is the, that is the biggest one. You know, in order to achieve an environment, in order to achieve a build that is um, is within the creative vision, but is also a sort of a, a really nice establishment. Sometimes you just can't find the correct materials that will achieve that. And um, and often we go into product development with with um, sort of local suppliers to see you know as far as we can if we can get that. And I think that is really sort of where we sometimes have a bit of a bugbear um but but you know it's it's all in, in in good you know in good spirit and that you know if we do get somewhere well then that's amazing you know we, it's been a bit of a push it's taken a bit a little bit of time but we've got somewhere at the end of the day so i'd say that's possibly possibly the biggest wall that we come up against and obviously these standards are standards that the, the brand and the company culture has set for itself i mean how much how much of what you do or sort of as it evolves over the years, how much, if anything, is coming from, from the guest upwards and how much do you think is being driven by, by the business culture? Uh, are there certain points where you, you have to adapt or adjust things according to feedback from the guests or do you prefer to, is the process of leading from the front and then adjusting as you go? Matt, we, have, we take our guest feedback very seriously and we take... Um, you know what we feel our guests will will sort of enjoy very seriously so i think it's it's a little bit of both it's a little bit of you know being a, a leading sort of african safari brand um, and creating these guest experiences and also knowing knowing where our lodges are knowing the experience we can give our guests um, but then you know within that experience we do take guest feedback and guest sort of concerns or suggestions very seriously so you know over time if, if there's been a, a recurrent piece of guest feedback, then of course we will we will really look into it, research it, study it, and and look to change if needs be. Um, so so I do think it's a bit of both. I think we we try our utmost to deliver an experience, taking um, guest needs into account, taking the experience we would like guests to have into account, um, in, and sort of delivering the shifting experience within the natural order. Um, and then, you know, within that, if there is feedback, of course, you know, we will always listen to it. We also spend a lot of time looking at trends, at forecasting, and, and really trying to understand the consciousness and, and sort of the subconsciousness and what people will will need from a holiday and will need from a break. You know, um, guests come to us on holiday. It's, there's not, not really a lot of business travel at all. And, you know, we need to deliver a break from the world. We need to be true to our promise in, in sending guests back to where they came from, feeling shifted, feeling, feeling changed and feeling rested. Um, and that's really what we aim to do. So any guest feedback that, that we get that will allow us to, or sort of, 
to achieve that further, we take very seriously. You, you've touched on it there, perhaps the idea of, of integrating wellness and, and well-being into the, into the guest experience and without sort of wanting to lose touch with that connection to the, the planet, but then also focusing on, on people. So in terms of, of the creative direction piece, how are you working with an increased interest in wellness uh, within the guest experience? Well, I think wellness has been a, a sort of a thing that's been around for a while, um, as you well know. And um, and it's something that we sort of have adopted and have been working on very much. You know, nature, sort of there's conclusive evidence, as you very well know, that nature is a healing force. Um, it's a healing power and people turn to nature to heal. We are very privileged that we are in the middle of nature in these pristine pieces of wilderness. So, so just by the very nature of where we are, you know, our wellness journey or our guest wellness journey is sort of already halfway there. Um, over and above that, we place a lot of importance in, and on food and beverage, on creating time and space within the guest experience to um, to to have their own time and space. So we, we take passive activity as importantly as active activity. Um, and, you know, we really try and, and create environments where within the healing order of nature, where you will find yourself sitting, you know, you may be inspired to, to meditate for the first time in your life. Um, you know, you may be inspired to do yoga. You may want to do a yoga class with one, you know, one of our staff members. And you, you are equipped with the options to make sort of healthy decisions holistically within the entire experience. So, you know, it's been an, an evolution. I think, you know, um, wellness has been a trend that's been around for a very long time, but for us it's evolved into health and wellness and possibly health, wellness and connectedness. Initially the connectedness between health and wellness, which is very important. Um, and then connectedness with yourself, connectedness with nature, connectedness with each other. We, you know, we try and really um, create time and space for that. So, you know, our wellness uh, sort of concept is that you know to a degree we are wellness because of where we are um you know you don't go and receive wellness from a, a treatment room and then come back to your room and and you've sort of lost wellness so we try and, and weave it into our entire experience um consciously and subconsciously tangibly and intangibly um so that you know hopefully guests can feel it you know can feel that that healing power of nature when they're at the lodges and also once they've departed it's interesting. I mean, you've got concepts like forest bathing in, in Japan and Korea, where it's almost like a, a green prescription where you know, stressed out corporate workers are sent out into the forests for, for, yeah. for sort of a few hours of guided walks, where really it's not about meditation or, or more of a moving meditation and just about time in nature as a way to de-stress, to remove anxiety. It seems to be in a way like you're almost sort of offering bush bathing in, in a sense it's like just just being in the bush right it's like it has that calming effect so it's almost as you don't want to do too much just just let nature do its on its course right exactly that's exactly it matt so we are we are very lucky in that we are in nature so you know just going on a game drive in the morning and um you know driving along wherever you are but say you're driving along a river under these huge trees you know listening to um, the insects and the birds and the animals in the distance, you know, feeling the soft air over your skin, you know, slightly bumpy ride on the game drive vehicle, but you know, not bumpy, but you know, just being in that motion. Um, that in itself is almost a moving meditation. And you could be so present in that moment, you know, um, if you let everything go and you are present in that moment, it can, it can feel like you're on that game drive for a very long time. It's incredibly peaceful and restorative. Um, I, I, you know, I, I talk about, instead of forest bathing, I talk about when you're out in nature, you're exfoliating your aura, sort of the trees and everything are exfoliating your aura and kind of 
cleansing you of, of the clutter of, of, of possibly the world and everything that we've got to deal with and all the stimulation we've got every single day. And then you're out in this beautiful sort of green area with the blue sky above you, you're in the green or the, the hues of brown. Um, it's incredibly gentle on your visual landscape, but at the same time, incredibly inspiring. And, and we're very lucky in that we're in those environments. So to, to, to make it one step, sort of to take it one step further or two steps further, isn't, you know, it's that, not that much of a challenge. We are, we're lucky, you know. It's, it's fascinating because, you know, this concept of biophilic design uh, is, is almost it's sort of this effort to try and recreate some of the original source of nature in an urban environment where you're, you're almost deliberately making things a bit wabi-sabi, you know, where they have this kind of like rough finish to make them feel more organic or deliberately seeking those design touches out to try and bring some of that organic natural design feel into a, a, an urban context in a way i'm not even sure we describe it as biophilic design what you do but i remember from the lodges how the, the, the trees and the landscape are almost sort of brought into the architectural experience right you almost sort of it's completely uh, integrated almost sort of hard to dis distinguish where that the lodge ends and, and nature begins there's a piece there around the architecture as well definitely and, and we know we try very hard with that so when we go into a build or redesign you know no tree can be cut down, you know, and um, and we'd really try and and fit in gently with nature as opposed to trying to make nature fit in with us. Um, and we do, you know, we try and completely blur the line between outside and inside. Um, you know, where we do have inside, it's generally very open. It's, or if it's not open, it's glass. We'll bring um, sort of uh, plants and botanicals inside where we need to. So, so we really try and, and make, you know, and make one feel like you're in nature, even if you may be in an architectural structure. You know, one of our lodges called the Bombo in the Kruger National Park and Sweeney actually, they are, they are actually glass boxes, um, you know, situated, the Bombo is kind of up on a, a little ridge and, and Sweeney is right down nestled in the trees on the river. And when you're in those glass boxes, you know, you can't see another room. You really, you really feel like you are, you're in nature, even though you're in, inside your room at the same time. So it's incredibly important for us and, and also for our guest experience to be able to achieve that. Um, you know, a lot of our guests come are international and, you know, come from big cities. And when they come to us, we want them to feel the healing effects of nature um, and really to sort of try and feel restored in a way from that, from that sort of energy from the earth. I love it. Yeah. And how does that impact then or does it impact on your if you like the team resources that you have to put together when you I mean, the idea of almost landscaping seems, seems like it could be just ir irrelevant in, in such a context. So who do you, what does the team look like when you're going in on, on a refurb or, or a new development project? Do you have a landscaper? Is that even part of the discussion or is it more about sustainable architecture? We do have a landscaper, um, you know, really based on once you do a project there is a bit of rehabilitative landscaping that needs to go that needs to happen um however our landscaper is is very versed in indigenous and local plants so we only use indigenous local plants when we do need to landscape and the majority of our landscaping is restorative landscape after a build to get to get the earth back to what it needs to be you know we don't want to leave sort of patches dry or, or you know possibly where concrete was mixed you know we don't want to leave the earth 
scarred by us in any way. So our landscaper is really a rehabilitative, restorative landscaper um, so that we can get the earth back to, to what it was before we arrived or before our, the construction started. So, so there is a landscaping team with us, um, an external team that do that, um, but to have a huge amount of respect for the, for the natural order and the natural land. You know, as I said, we don't want to try and, you know, make nature fit in with us. We need to fit in very respectfully. So, and, and he, yeah, so, so yes, we do have a landscaping team and that's really the, the goal and the, the goal of poster uh, build. It almost reminds me of that concept of like leaving no trace, you know, just sort of t touching lightly and not, not, yes. not sort of having too, <laughs> too much of an impact on nature, just being present, but also allowing nature to, to dominate in a way, which must be quite, a, must be quite difficult to, to find that um, balance between the two. And yet you're obviously obviously managing it. I mean, there's terms of things like circular economy or almost, you know, at the end, you might sort of close it down uh, and move on, like a sort of a tented camp. Have, have you ever looked at anything like that in terms of really being able to move on from one space after another? Yes, we do have one, a similar one in, in, um, in Tanzania, where there is that concept where we have our tented camp will be up on a, in one area of land for six months. Nothing is dug into the ground. So we have sort of little patches where the tents sit on the ground on ground sheets. Um, and then they're there for six months and then we move them to another site. So that, that site is completely rehabilitated and can go back to the natural order. So we do have that in Tanzania. It's called Sangita Explore. Um, and that's an incredible experience because you know it, it, you're so close to the ground. It's 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 for me. It's the pinnacle of of being immersed in nature. You wake up with the sun. You go to bed with you know when the sun sets. You're woken up by somebody sort of just saying good morning to you in a Swahili accent. Um, and that that's incredible. We are looking. You know we that that concept and that camp has been very. Um, successful so you know we we are definitely would be looking into more of those kinds of options in the future um, and I think you know as 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 things evolve um, you know there's always opportunity to to work on what you've done in the past and to evolve it into something new based on learning so so I think there is always opportunity and we would definitely look to to create more of those types of camps um, and lodges coming up in the future so looking ahead then to the next year or two, are there any new openings or locations and destinations that, that you're focusing on as a group? Well, at the moment we are, um, one of our, our camps in Tanzania, Sabora Tented Camp has been under construction and that is going to be opening again. Obviously, um, sort of extenuating circumstances of, of the coronavirus has had quite an impact on on our, um, our project in the future, but we are always looking for new things and always working on new things. But the sort of Sabora is the one that we will be reopening once international travel commences again, then Sabora in Tanzania is, is the one to look forward to. Um, there are a few other things in the working, but um, you know, not really at a stage where, where we, we know yet, we know 100% yet. So, um, but, but exciting things, you know, I think Corona has taught everybody a lot. I think it's made everybody personally and professionally quite introspective. And, um, and for me, it's also really highlighted a simp an element of simplicity and sustainability and also purposefulness, you know, that everything, be it an experience, be it, be it an object, be it a, a piece of architecture, needs to have, needs to have a purpose. Um, and, you know, we really will take that ethos into whatever project comes up next. Um, the sort of simplicity, sustainability, health, wellness, and connectedness. And um, yeah, so what, what will come up in the future will really be guided by those principles.
I think the connectedness term is, is a really interesting uh, addition, uh, perhaps not immediately obvious based on, on as opposed to say the aesthetic or the, the health or the, the planet angle, the conservation piece, but the idea of if this whole experience over the last few months during Corona has taught us anything, it's the connectedness of our world, right? And also uh, both in the good and bad senses, but also how we can, when we're disconnected from nature, uh, in a forced way for, you know, in my case, a couple of months, but really no contact with nature whatsoever. You really sense that loss. It's going to be very interesting to see how in that post-corona world or in the sort of whatever it becomes after this experience, how, how people's desire for and, and need for nature changes or whether they, they perceive it in a different way, perhaps place more importance on it or value it a bit more highly. Matt, I think people are going to place a lot more importance on nature. You know, I, I think that um, people have taken nature, the outdoors, being able to go and walk in a park for granted. You know, when, you, when you're in a lockdown situation and you can't simply just go out and walk on the beach or, you know, go out and walk around, it's, um, it, really, it really marks to you how important that is for you um, as a person. And I also think, you know, connectedness with, with humanity. You know, we, a lot of us have been locked up in, in our houses or in, in flats and, um, and, you know, just being able to connect with the, the grocery store man or, you know, being able to connect with the neighbors. Um, you know, I think, I think we are going to, I think this connectedness thing, I agree with you. I think it's a very important thing. And I think we're all realizing the power of being connected to nature, to yourself and to others, but also being able to disconnect when you need to. Um, and so I think, I think it's a very important thing and, and I'm very interested in it. I'm very interested in, in what it's going to bring and sort of watching and observing how it's going to, how things are going to evolve as a result of what we've, we've experienced and possibly also learned through this, um, through, through Corona and, and being disconnected from what we are usually connected to. It's a fascinating time. Georgie, I'm going to be respectful of your, your time. Thank you for spending the time to talk us through this. How can people keep in touch with Singita or yourself, via social and, and websites? Um, well, people can follow. We've got a Facebook page. We also have the website, which is www.singita.com. Um, and if you go onto the website, that can link you to, to wherever sort of you really need to go. So we've got amazing things happening on SoundCloud. We've got um, guided meditations. We've got the sounds of nature um, for those who can't get to nature. And then also on our, our Vimeo page, we've got amazing videos where you can sort of go and, and experience sort of the visual of nature for those people who, who are unable to. So I think, you know, but going to our main Facebook, I mean, excuse me, our main website and then sort of going out from there. Um, but we do, we, we've tried to create some, some little snippets of nature for those who can't get into it. Um, and hopefully that'll, that'll help and that'll sort of tide everybody over until they can. Amazing. You guys are, you guys are doing really great work. Congratulations. Thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. And thanks for the chat. It was really great.